0: Thank you so much for joining us this morning, and I would now like to welcome our special speaker. He is a Dallas Theological Seminary graduate and has pastored churches in both Hawaii and Alabama. He currently serves as chairman of the Elder Board. Please join me in welcoming Dr. Harvey Ching. The passage this morning is from the book of joshua starting at uh, verse 14 of chapter 24 joshua 24 14 and 15 now therefore fear the lord and serve him in sincerity and truth and put away the gods which your fathers served beyond the river and in egypt and serve the lord if it is disagreeable in your sight to serve the lord choose for yourselves today whom you will serve, whether the gods which your father served, which were beyond the river, or the gods of the Amorites, in whose land you are living. But as for me and my house, we will serve the Lord. Let's uh, bow our heads for a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we come having worshipped you through communion, that we are not just proclaiming the work of Christ, but we do so Hopefully consistently and throughout our lifetimes until the Lord comes back. This is something that is required because it's commanded to take and eat. And even for those that might not feel worthy, it's an easy way to make sure we're right and just for the Christians simply to confess our sin. And we know you are faithful and just to forgive us our sins and to Cleanse us from all unrighteousness. That alone prepares us to partake together. We thank you, Lord, for this time together. We just pray for the time of sharing the word. We pray that you will encourage, challenge us, that you will be the one that will open up the word to us and apply it directly to us individually and personally. I pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. This message is different from any message I've ever done. Why is that? Because it's it's all over the landscape. And so I apologize ahead of time for what it might be or turn into. I was told never to... Apologize for any message. I just did. So I just broke one of the rules of, of homiletics. So, so sue me. It's been a difficult couple weeks. As you can see in the picture behind me. My dog Senpai. Rescued from the streets by my daughter. The name Senpai is Japanese. I'm not Japanese. So I had to look it up. It means one who has status. It kind of makes sense that here's a dog that was forsaken, gone, lost, brought in, and now becomes part of the family. He had status. But two weeks ago, I unfortunately left the door open in the front. I was bringing in some bamboo shoots I harvested from our yard. Bamboo shoots are something that Chinese people love to eat because it's good in stir fry. So during this time of the year, bamboo shoots just pop up. And part of the reason of cutting them down is because if you don't cut them down, then they'll grow up all over the place. They're an invasive species. So I had a whole big bucket full of those things, brought it in, door was open, dog apparently noticed the door was open, noticed I wasn't around, made a decision. Wouldn't it be nice to just head out, explore the neighborhood? And he did. And I haven't seen him since. It's been hard because he has been part of the family. Part of uh, the blessings that God has bestowed. I find myself smiling when I play Frisbee with him. Such a good Frisbee dog. Wonderful companion. So having him run out like that, not knowing if he's okay, adopted by somebody else, has a, a new home, which I actually pray, if, if he doesn't come back to me, please give him a home, someplace that he will be fed, he'll be, you know, sheltered, that he will be okay. But I don't know. I keep looking at the, you know, adoptable dogs, or dogs that are in the brought in, rescue dogs. I haven't seen him yet. And I began to think about this message. We're faced with all sorts of decisions, choices that we need to make. When Sun Pai looked out that door and he saw the neighborhood and thought it'd be a wonderful, fun time to just explore, sniff around, bark at other dogs, whatever. But he never knew the consequence of being out and not being able to find his way back. We sometimes look at choices that we have. Choices that look good initially. times we, we think, this would be wonderful. Why? I think I'd like to do that. But not know perhaps the terrible consequences that could come from that. Lucifer. Looking around and saying, wow, we witnessed the, the wonderful creation of God and all of us as, as the angels of God saying I like that I think I want some more of that I, I want what God has I, I want to be worshipped I want to be seen as beautiful powerful amazing and he lifted himself up and wanted to be like the most high God and once he did that unrighteousness was found within him was condemned. And God being a God who allows us choices. Sometimes I wonder, I wish He almost didn't do that because it would keep me from so much pain and suffering. He gave to all the angels the choice to whether or not they want to follow Satan or stay with Him. And a third of them followed Him. Imagine that. To willingly go into condemnation. To a place called Gehenna. Designed, created specifically for the devil and his angels. That's where hell originally was for. It was for Satan. Satan goes there by divine decree. We go there because we choose to reject Christ. Choices. Adam and Eve in the garden. Wonderful place, obviously. You can only imagine how nice it might have been. All sorts of fruits, obviously. Just one, one command: the command not to eat of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. That's all. Seems simple. The forbidden fruit. I always say, the forbidden fruit is the one that we seem to yearn for the most, what we cannot have. So I believe that Satan waited. Waited until Eve was sort of alone wandering around. Because I think the idea of divide and conquer works in this case. If Adam was there, I I think he would have said, wait, whoa, whoa. No, 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 don't listen to that talking snake. Mm. Wow. But she's listened. And it says that he was crafty, subtle. Interesting word that uh, Moses uses. Because it's a play on words. It's a play on words with the the Hebrew word for naked. Whoa, okay. What does that mean? It means that more than just Adam and Eve being without clothes, they were open with each other. Nothing was hid between each other. They could talk about anything. They're free to, to discuss things and just express themselves. That's a wonderful relationship to be able to just talk freely without worrying about consequences and so forth that we can share together. But the word that Moses uses in chapter 3, verse 1, the serpent was subtle. He was crafty. It's just the opposite. The word two words sound the same, but one means open and honest and, and free, and the other one is crafty, hiding something keeping something behind, showing something on the surface, but having some ulterior motive. So he doesn't begin with his lie, which he will. He simply goes, has God said? And she begins thinking. You know, well, yeah, he said, uh, we can eat from every tree in the garden. Missed the idea of freely eat. See, when you start to limit God or make Him a little bit, uh, you know, not gracious, not giving, and He's keeping something from me, you begin to be a little dissatisfied. So she says, "Well, we may eat, yeah, but why doesn't He let me eat that?" So Satan continues this conversation. Well, God knows that on the day that you eat of it, you will become like Him. You can, you'll know good and evil. That's nice. He didn't say no good from evil. To be able to discern the two, he just said no good and evil, which is still not that good. But it sounded good to to Eve. She saw it was good for food, delightful to look at, and something to make you wise. So she took and ate. Then, I guess, whether Adam came strolling along or she took it with her, she gave it to Adam. Now Adam knew He was clear. He didn't have the mistakes or kind of the the mushiness that Eve had. I'm not criticizing Eve. It's just, you know, she missed some things. And it it kind of went down like a slippery slope. And he could have said, no. God is very clear about this. Not going to do it. But he took an eight. It looked good. What could happen? Except that you could surely die. Minor thing, and suddenly oh, I'm naked. I need clothes. We gotta. We, we can't. We can't fellowship with God anymore. We have to hide. And so when they did, it was clear that something had happened. And when the Lord says, uh, "Where are you, Adam?" It didn't mean that He didn't know where Adam was. God knows everything. He didn't go, "Where are you, Adam? Come on up, little twerp." No, I don't think he said that. Where are you, Adam? I think the idea of that question is, are you happy with the choice that you just made? Is it all that you expected it to be? The answer is no. When we choose for ourselves, when we choose against God's will, it never works out to our benefit. And so what happens? But they didn't die. They should have dropped dead. You shall surely die. What happened? Oh, well, there was death there. Remember, though, death means separation. That's the key to understanding theologically what death is in the Bible. So, separation, physical death, is separation of soul from body. The second death is separation of soul from God himself in the lake of fire. So what happened? Well, initially... Spiritual death, broken relationship between Adam and his God. And then, what does Adam do? The woman thou gavest me. It's her fault. So now, blame throwing is part of the whole picture. I'm not going to take the blame for this. The woman you gave me. So it's almost like, kind of your fault, God. Uh, It doesn't work. And the woman doesn't want to be left out of that and going, oh, the serpent. Everybody's pointing their finger at somebody else. Serpent has no finger to point to, so I guess he didn't say anything. He said, well, what happened till the surely die? Yes. Eventually. They died socially. They couldn't they didn't agree. They were arguing. They were pointing fingers. No longer did they have that open and honest relationship between each other. Because of that choice that relationships broken so now men and women have to struggle married couples struggle if you're not struggling as a couple something's wrong with you okay there's going to be struggle we're different emotionally everything else but so what happens i don't think they understood the gravity of this one decision what happened well certainly when we get to I think chapter five this uh, generational picture this this uh, genealogy the phrase that you'll see repeated over and over is and he died the result of eating that fruit traveled throughout mankind and all the offspring of Adam and Eve They didn't have an idea that this decision, this choice, was gonna be so horrendous it would touch all of their offspring. From now from that time to the end of time. I wonder if our choices have such repercussions. Maybe not. Maybe not quite as bad. But you look back and sometimes, yeah, bad choice. We all have choices, and there are choices I made that sometimes you wonder, why did I make those choices? But we have a sovereign God also, which is interesting, how God, in His sovereignty, can take choices. If they're non-moral, you know, He can work those things out. I grew up in a household that was nominally Christian, nominally, Mm -hmm. nominal, nominal. Um and had a Buddhist influence but Buddhism never attracted me it just seemed like a strange and icky kind of religious concept because of the whenever I had to go to a Buddhist funeral and I went to a number of them it was scary it's like people wailed and whined and it's like so horrendous and, and at one point all the women and they dress in white so interesting um, we dress in black for a funeral that shows our you know, mourning and so forth but for the, the Chinese Buddhist ancestors of worship, they, they were white. So all these women, you know, offspring of the deceased, they're wearing white, and they go around the, the coffin, and they start to wail and weep. And it, it's, it's, as a little boy, it's very scary. So I, I wasn't attracted to that. But as I got older, I started to feel like, yeah, you know, I can do things on my own. I didn't have a lot of input. I remember my mom buying me a book, a series of books that are green in cover, uh, Greatest Heroes of the Bible. So I would thumb through that. I like the pictures. And one of the the images that stuck in my mind was when Moses and the children of Israel were in the the desert. And all these vipers are coming out of the ground and biting people. And and Moses lifts up that brazen serpent. He says, you must look at the serpent to be saved. Not to die. I thought, uh, the picture had some people, you know, fighting with the serpents. And it looked, I, I, I don't know what I would do. If snakes were biting me, I don't know if I could look up at the snake, this brazen serpent, and be saved. I'd be too busy being upset about snakes, you know, biting me. That's scary. I thought, well, I don't know. Christianity. Kind of Strange. So I became more of an agnostic. I didn't know there was a God. And I didn't know if I could know. And then I kind of gravitated toward a skeptic. I was more skeptical. And at one point, uh, still going to Sunday school every now and then, I found this wonderful book. Well, it's not really wonderful, it's stupid. But it's called 500 Contradictions in the Bible. Something for that? Oh, yeah! I'm going to try this out on my Sunday school teacher. I feel so sorry. I apologize every time I think of it. I must have put this poor guy through a, a lot of stress because most Sunday school teachers are not prepared to answer questions like that. And so I go, oh, "What about you know?" And well, and he tried his best to answer, but it was never quite satisfying. So I began to think, I think there's just not a lot to do, you know, this this Christianity stuff. So, graduate from high school, went to college. That's what Chinese parents want. You must have a good education. Go to college. Oh, man, got to go to school. I'm tired of school. (laughs) Oh, does God have a sense of humor? Goodness. Went for a year. And they still had the draft, so Vietnam was still in progress. I said, ah, I'm not doing too well in my grades. Because the first semester was okay. I did pretty well. But second semester, I just sort of, I just blew it off. I mean, I took my books, jumped in my car, headed off to the theater and watched movies all day. You're not know going to get good grades making that choice, right? So I thought, oh, they're going to draft me. I know that... I'll, f- I'll fool them. I'll outflank them. I'll enlist. Yeah. So I did. I enlisted in the Navy. I told my parents, and they just, oh, their faces dropped. It's like I ate the forbidden fruit or something. Oh, their hearts were broken. Oh, what did we do wrong with this spoil hours? And so during my stint in the Navy, I tried to live a a moral life. I didn't go out drinking with some of the other guys, but I also didn't go to church. I would be invited every now and then to go to church. I'd go, nah, no thanks. I'd uh, draw pictures, i used my art skills to do some stuff, keep busy. And uh, got sent to an electronics school, aviation electronics technician, that was my rate. Not something I wanted to do. In fact, I didn't even know what school it was when they, fought, they shipped me to Memphis, Tennessee. I had to ask. When I got there, well, what kind of school is this? Oh, an electronic school. Aviation electronics. I went, really? Wow. Not what I expected. So we had marched to class. And this one guy, his name was Davini. Kind of a big guy. Good attitude, good jolly guy, but he couldn't march for spit. I mean, ah, oh. you would see we would be marching all together, and his head would be going up and down the wrong way. You could always know Davini, because, oh, oh, get in line, get in step. And yet he was this happy uh, guy, and he loved to sing. You can hear him singing in the shower. And then he eventually got into the, the chorus. I guess, you know, if you're good enough, you can go into the chorus. And he had good duty with that. So, I guess, who's laughing now? But it was like he couldn't march. He stood out. Yet, it was clear he was a Christian. And I think there's times when people look at us and look like we're not in step. We've chosen wrong because we're not in step with everybody else. Our heads are bobbing up differently. But that's Okay. That's as it should be. Because if you're in step with God, you're going to be out of step with the world. And that's correct. You've made the right choice. It's one of those things that you think, well, what am I going to do? I'm trying to live a good life. I'm in the Navy. It's okay, duty. See, you know, join the Navy, see the world. So I get my orders after school. And I was sent back to Hawaii. Okay. I'll make something of this. And I think the Lord kind of knew. I don't know if he was manipulating things. But I needed to be back home. I'd probably mess up if I was out. So. NAS. Naval Air Station. Barber's Point. Hawaii. I get to live at home. With my mom and dad. And anytime I need shopping done. I go to the commissary. Buy stuff. Worked out pretty well. But I, still, on a Navy base, not a lot of social interaction. There are Navy waves there. Female, you know, members of the Navy. But usually they, they're more interested in, in officers and stuff. Not an enlisted guy like myself. So I said, th- I'm going back to church. Yeah. Why? Because there's girls there. What a choice. Yeah. Wow, what deep spiritual motivation that is. But God knew that. And I became a believer because of that. So God took that silly, rather stupid choice, self-centered and everything, but he knew that exposed to the gospel, there was going to be a, a touching of my heart to help me recognize what I needed, what I lacked, And become a believer. So, all right, back to school. I couldn't get away from the fact that they wanted me to go to school. So, back to the University of Hawaii. The U of H, that's University of Hawaii, not Huntsville. Just so you're not confused. And you'd get this list of all your basic requirements, you need to take all these classes. Oh, man. I wanted to get my schedule so that I could finish my classes maybe by lunchtime or a little past noon and then have the afternoon to myself and go to the beach, whatever I could do. So whenever I went to Clum Gym, which is where they had all the... This is not electronic type times. This is, you know, cards and papers and stuff. So they have all these desks, tables, and they have these boxes full of cards that when you want that class, you go up, you stand in line, get to the class, and you take one of those cards. That is your... Tick it in, I guess, or whatever. But so many of the classes I needed when I got up there was empty. Everybody took, you know, can't, can't take that one. So I'm going, all right, I'm going to make this work for myself. I'll take whatever works for my schedule. So I took classes like Polynesian music. That's good. Good stuff. I mean, I'm living in Hawaii, so why not? Interesting class. I took appreciation Of silent films. That's a that's a barn burner. (sighs) I get to sit in the in the big auditorium and watch Laurel and Hardy and and, you know uh, all these you know Birth of a Nation and other things. Intolerance. Write a paper. I get credit. So my humanities credits are getting really large. And then I said, oh. I need something else. And I, I went up to one table and I said, what, what do you got here? I said, this is storytelling. <laughs> I'll take it. <laughs> storytelling, yes. <sighs> and again, I, I had to take a speech class. Took a speech class. Didn't like it. Didn't like it. Because uh, the, the teacher, I'm sorry to say, the teacher was from another land. And she's trying to teach me speaking English and, and, you know. And it's like I can't even quite understand her dialect. She's going to teach me to speak. All right. She said, you need to be able to emote. You need to know your, your material. You need to look people in the eye. Oh, I can't even. At that time, I couldn't look at people in the eye. I'd just lose it completely. So I'd have to look, look them at the forehead or look at look the back of the room or something. Why would I do that? Well, no, I had to. That was a required class. Then another one popped up: oral interpretation. What's that? It's a class about taking passages of poems or or prose and uh, presenting it to the class in a manner that you know shows that you have a mastery of you know that particular topic or passage or essay. I decided to do one of my Assignments on doing Edgar Allan Poe's "The Raven." That's a nice one. And I decided I didn't want to have to look down too much because that could—I could lose my place. So I memorized it, and to this day I can't get it out of my head. Once upon a midnight dreary, while I pondered, weak and weary, over many a quaint and curious volume of forgotten lore. Well, I nodded nearly nothing. Suddenly, there came a tapping. Tatt- as if someone gently rapping, rapping at my chamber. Yeah. You know the thing. Oh, goodness. I just can't get away from it. It should have been scripture, right? I should have been memorizing scripture. That would have been helpful. But interesting, because I wanted to be an artist. And none of those classes helped me to be an artist. I took some art studio classes. And they were worthless. I go there and we want you to be able to see life, okay? Look at life, alright? What do you see? I see life. No, no, no. What do you see? What do you f- feel about life? It's sunny. I don't know what he was getting at. But one of the uh, things, you have to to adjust reality somewhere. You would uh, Your project was to do something that would... Be different, so that would make reality change. What? So I made a big pill, a plaster Paris pill, like an Excedrin pill with a big E on it. So, like people see it, it's like it's different. Where's the bottle? I don't know. It was just too weird. So these choices seem odd, and you look back and go, why in the world would I choose those things? But behind the scenes. These are non-moral choices. There's nothing wrong with, you know, oral interpretation. God knew that I needed to get some practice in to be able to stand up in front of people, which I hated, which scared me to death. Gave me the shakes. Not only do my hands shake, try to hold my paper, not have the paper there, hardly even looked at it. But my knees shook. It's kind of hard to speak when your knees are clunking together. But he knew. And even at that time, he had a plan for me. And in those choices, silly and self-serving as they were, they were preparing me for something else. That's the kind of God we have. He knows us so well. And even things that we think we don't want, don't like, shouldn't do, He might have a different idea. And part of making choices is, do we trust Him? Do we trust Him? Do we put our confidence in Him completely? Now, that's not easy. Completely. Wow. You know, we always hang back a little. Some things we... I don't know, Lord. What do you want me to do? Let's pray about it. That's good. You need to pray about it. Sometimes, you know, when I... Got a call from a church in Alabama. I was still in Hawaii. Came to Alabama to candidate. It was pretty neat. Flying into Birmingham. Wow, a lot of trees. Look at those trees. It was spring. Everything's really green. Stayed in the parsonage. This is nice. I like it. It's not Hawaii, but I like it. And so the elder was saying, Yeah, we're we're We'd, we'd like you to come, but we're a little afraid. I said, what? So we're afraid you're not going to accept. I said, Try me. It's one of those things where you, you hear the joke about uh, the, the pastor saying, uh, Honey, I want you to pray about this decision, and I'll go pack. Like, he already decided. And that was me. It's like, all right, all right. As soon as you say yes, green light's on, I'm already packed. So came. I haven't looked back since, but it's difficult because you're away from family. That's a sacrifice. But Christ sacrificed for us so much more than we could ever sacrifice for Him. Is it worth it? Yes. Undoubtedly, it is. There are some things that you choose. And sometimes you wonder how the choice is going to work out. Faith is an important part. Our first choice for a church was not the one I expected to have. My home church actually called me as I I got out of seminary. They said, we'd like you to consider being an associate pastor. Oh, job opportunity, great. I know there's some of my graduate friends that were waiting years before they could find a, a place to minister. I found it in just four or five months. Then another church that I was preaching at temporarily said, We'd like to call you. I went, oh now I got two. <gasps> One was from a different denomination completely. And there were Hawaiian people. Well, oh, you're in Hawaii. No, no, no. Hawaiian people, Polynesian people. This is a church that was uh, that started in the eighteen thirties. When the missionaries first came, started by a uh, congregational missionary named... I was going to say Ben Franklin. Um, his name was Ben... I uh, figured out one of these days. <laughs> I can't remember. Benjamin Braddock. No. Never mind. But it just seemed different. It's like... And, and when I went to the first time I was going to preach there, and I'm coming from a Chinese church. We shake hands. That's about it. These people hug you and give you a kiss on the cheek. I mean, talk about... You know, giving the brethren a holy kiss. That's it. It was just a nice way that they have of greeting you. And I'm, you know, first time people coming up and I'm going, What are they doing? <laughs> oh, made the wrong choice, I think. But, my goodness, they were such wonderful, loving people. Warm. Recently, my, uh, one of my elders passed away. I heard about it. I didn't even know. You don't get much... Info, being so far away from home. But there's times when it's just difficult, you know, to be away. And all this time, as I'm going through preparing this message, something was going on too. My dog is lost. Oh, my goodness. And then this song came to mind. Really spiritual song from musical theater. From Les Miserables. It's called Bring Him Home. I don't know if you ever heard it. But it starts off... um, uh, Let me read it. I'm not going to sing it. So, relax. God on high, hear my prayer. In my need, you have always been there. So, I need. And that's what I've seen. He's always been there, even though I had no concept that he was there somehow behind the scenes. And so I began to listen to the song over and over again, and then the, the, the key chorus is bring him home. Jean Valjean is, is singing it for this young man. Bring him home. And I'm thinking, Bring Senpai home, please. <laughs> So I'm, I'm actually thinking that this is good for my prayer for my dog to come back. But there are things that also touch me. This is a song of sacrifice. Uh, a song in which this person, Jean Valjean, says, uh, you know, it's, it's, time is going by and yet this man has his whole life ahead of him. I'm, I'm not there. The summers die one by one. How soon they fly on and on. And I'm old, and will be gone. Sounds kind of depressing, but he's looking at the next generation. This young man who needs to be secured and to continue living. And he wants himself. You know, if I must die, then I'm, I'm willing for that. I want this young man to live. I thought about that, and it started to go beyond just my dog. I began to think about my family back home and I wanted them to live because I'm not sure all of them know the Lord they've grown up in a Christian home a pastor's home that could be a detriment I don't know but it's like bring them home bring them to you Lord don't let them go don't let them Die in their sins. I can't be there for them. I have little contact. Every now and then I'll hear my oldest son will call on my birthday, Lana's birthday, Father's Day. I don't hear much from my younger son. Of course, my daughter's here. But she has her life. She needs to live And I want her to make good decisions. I'm fearful that she doesn't. But, you know, she has, I hope, a good background, good basis. She has everything she needs to know. What she needs to do. When you look at your children, you look at the family, you wonder, is there something more I can do? And you look at the world and say, I've been so close to... These people are dying in their sins. Have I chosen not to share the gospel because it's just inconvenient? It's a bother. Uh, I don't know what they're going to say. You know, it it could be awkward. Well, you don't have to be one of those, you know, real forceful evangelists. You know, grab a person. You need to know Jesus Christ or you're going to hell. That's probably not the best way to open up a witnessing opportunity. Start with conversation get to know them hey how's it what do you think about Alabama how are they doing or whatever make a connection there are things that we sometimes forget bring them home Lord bring them to yourself cause them to, to know maybe through me if if possible that there is a God and that God loves them and that He sent His Son to die for them. Yeah, they heard it before probably. Bible Belt, heard it before. But so many people going to churches. I found out, church on almost every block. I said, so many churches, wow. Got to be a lot of gospel preaching. Uh, Probably not. Talk to people and, yeah, yeah, I'm Christian. How do you know? I was baptized. Okay. Anything else? All right. As a child, as a baby, I was baptized. Okay. I think we need to talk here. There are times when it it makes you sad that you have people that certainly, you know hear about going to church. They've been going to church or whatever, but they haven't heard that Jesus Christ died for them. And they have to trust Him personally. They have to make that act of faith. It's like, oh, my parents are Christians. My grandparents are Christians. I must be a Christian. No, oh, no. That's not how it works. I try to keep the Ten Commandments. You know, How, how have you been doing on that? How many have you kept this This week. If you just missed by one. If in your entire lifetime, you only missed by one commandment. You just fell at that one time. Once. That's it. You're condemned already. That's not fair. It's not fair for Jesus to have to take your sins upon himself and be scorned by you. This is an important message. More than important. It's critical. And he has you as his evangelist. You are his witnesses. There are times we are fearful. But love casts out fear. We shouldn't be fearful. But we tend to hold back. So in this, I might be overstepping my bounds, but I'm telling you, Don't be fearful. Don't be brash. Don't be overconfident. But also go with humility and sensitivity. But know that your target is simply to share the gospel. Maybe just to be friends. You don't have to go and share the gospel right away. Just get to know people. Find out what they're like. Find some connection. I love movies. And so I connect with people who love movies. And there's a lot of them. A lot of movies today, though... It's hard to watch. In fact, I can't. You know how many zombie movies are out there? Good night. Why? What's with the living dead? Well, that's kind of a spiritual picture of where we are today. Oh, so, yeah, okay. I can buy that. People ambling about. Dead but don't know it. You have, you're dead in your trespasses and sins. Paul says. Yeah. Walking zombies. Jesus had choices, too. He's God. He knows what the right choice is. Yes, but he's also man. Think about it. In the garden, he prays to his Father. Father, if it's possible, take this cup from me. Wow. He knew from the very beginning what he had to do. He had to die for the sins of mankind. Yet, in the garden, he asked the Father a rather strange question. If it's possible... Didn't he know it wasn't possible? Yeah, probably it did. But I think as a human, this is horrendous what he's going to go through, what he's about to go through for mankind. Oh yeah, crucifixion is horrible, horrible. No, no. Something worse. Worse than crucifixion? Scourging? No. Scourging and crucifixion? No. Beating, scourging, crucifixion? No! It's becoming sin for mankind. To take upon himself sinlessness pure Lamb of God to take all that filth and we produced he had to do that and that's what made him say if it's possible Father take this cup from me yet what did he say right after that not my will but thine See, that's the answer. Even though we're faced with a difficult choice, maybe almost impossible, horrific, that everything in your body and your mind and your soul says, no, this cannot be. You're going to be a pastor. Oh, no, it cannot be. That's what God may want. Not my will, but thine. take a deep breath folks because things are getting worse have you noticed how crazy it's getting I don't like to watch the news anymore it makes me depressed It's like what happened to our nation oh my goodness Uh, but that doesn't matter why because we're on God's side he has a job for us and we need to do it it doesn't matter that it's bad it was bad during Paul's day. It was bad Throughout history it's been bad. So what's, what's the big deal? It's really bad. Well, that means probably Christ's return is even closer. That's good. Keep looking up. Paul says, looking for the blessed hope and the appearing of our great God and Savior Jesus Christ. that's what we do we should do every day this is a day he could come back what am I going to do for him what am I going to do to be closer to him and, and it's like at this age of my life I'm starting to get it took you this long? yeah I'm, I'm kind of dense like worship is really worship worship you know Saying that God is worth something. Bestowing worth on Him because He's worthy. And in that, that's what I'm doing. He's worth being here. He's worth living for. He's worth sharing the gospel with others. He's worth it. And I kind of make sure that my own reticence of doing certain things that He might require from me, is not... What I feel, what I think, what I want, it's what he wants. Not my will, but thine. Last few lines of the song. He's praying to God. He says, You can take and you can give. Let him be, let him live. If I die, let me die. Let him live. And As I get to a point where I'm thinking, well, who knows when my time will be up. Every opportunity is precious to me. That's why I decided to try this crazy sermon. It's not an exposition. It's kind of autobiographical. It's kind of this and that. So sue me. If I die, I know where I'm going to go. But there's some people that don't know Christ. Let Him live until He can find salvation in Jesus Christ. Let my family really know who Jesus is. They should know, but I don't know if they know it in their hearts. They truly are born again. Because I don't see it in their actions. And that's hard to admit. It's hard to admit. As a pastor, your family may not be right with God. And you say, what have I done wrong they all have choices. They all have choices. Ah, but Proverbs says, you know, train about time the way you should go, and when he is old, he will not depart. If you did it right, they won't depart. You have to understand the nature of the book of Proverbs. It's not talking about absolutes because it has to factor in the fact that every person has a choice. Your children do, your grandchildren do. And they have to make a choice. That choice may not be what you want. Bring him home. Yes. I pray that for my dog. I don't have a lot of hope. I'll see him again. Bring him home. My two sons and my daughter. I don't know where they are. Spiritually. I know where they are physically but I don't. I don't know where they are spiritually. I'd like to have the confidence that they're going to be there with me in heaven. I'd like to have that confidence. I don't know if I'll have it. There are pains that won't go away. There are aches that sometimes comes comes with life. There are things that just eat away at you because you don't know and the thing to do is leave it to God pray for them trust God something will kick in Lord bring them home Father in Heaven uh, uh, life is full of disappointment sadness loss It's the nature of being in a sinful world and being in a sinful body and having a sinful nature. I praise you, though, that you have sent your son that we might have relief from those pains. That we can start to make better decisions, better choices. Choose this day, Joshua says. And is there anyone that has been playing church, going because somebody else is going, not really having trusted Christ personally, I pray that that person will just take this time now and say, Lord, I I need what you have to give. I need the forgiveness that you have bestowed through your Son. And I need that new life. I need that deliverance right now. I pray that if there's anyone that is in that category, unsure, to make it sure, right now. Thank you, Lord, for just allowing me this time to just sort of spout out some thoughts. pray that you will bless this congregation, cause us to rise up and do that which you've called us to do. For I pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.